Well, Montreal is going to war. They're going to war with single-use containers and excess packaging that, according to one city councillor, after this announcement has been made, that Montreal intends to ban all single-use plastic and styrofoam food packaging, including styrofoam cups and containers, plastic straws and cutlery, and styrofoam meat and fish trays that are traditionally used by grocers. Now, Montreal's mayor, in announcing the initiative, says that the city plans to launch consultations over the next year before passing a bylaw in 2020. Now, she said the changes will be phased in gradually to give businesses time to adapt, and the city will study reasonable alternative packaging and containers, which could include 100% compostable containers or reusable washable containers. And for more on this, we are joined now by Chelsea Rockman, who's an assistant professor in the Department of Ecology at the University of Toronto. She joins us here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Professor, good afternoon, and thanks so much for the time. Yeah, hi, thanks for having me. Just to first off, a pretty aggressive timeline by the city of Montreal, hoping to have a bylaw in place by 2020. Uh, that's just next year, last I checked. Uh, but is uh, time of the essence when it comes to the environment in single-use plastics? I mean, I think time is of the essence. Yes, when it comes to the environment and when it comes to plastic pollution in general. So there's a lot of goals from global to municipal to provincial to federal that say by 2030, we have to have a measurable reduction. And so we need aggressive targets in order to get there. And, you know, changing our use or reducing our use of single use items is one fantastic way to get there. Yeah. What is the biggest concern or biggest danger when it comes to plastics? I mean, we've talked about this time and time again uh, on the show. Is it our waterways? Is it the, the, the oceans and the amount of plastic that's filling them up and the dangers to marine life? You know, so I've worked on this issue for a long time, over a decade, and I can tell you that in the beginning, it was all about the ocean. We were noticing that there was plastic pollution far from land in the middle of the ocean, you know, a thousand miles or hundreds, thousands of kilometers. And so then we knew it was coming from busy cities and countries and making its way via the current to the middle of the ocean. Uh, since this time, I think the field, the scientific field has changed from the ocean to terrestrial and freshwater environments because what we're learning is that this contamination is everywhere. And so just to kind of give you a local picture, uh, we do a lot of work in our lab in the Great Lakes. And so in Lake Ontario, when we've sampled fish from the middle of the lake, we've sometimes seen hundreds of pieces of plastic debris in an individual fish. And so the idea here is that we can't have these materials going into the environment, breaking down into smaller pieces, being eaten by wildlife, and then potentially coming back to us in our drinking water or the food that we eat because it's in our resources, right, that we get from the environment. Yeah. How does this plastic, how does it end up in our waterways and in our lakes and in our oceans? Uh, I mean, I was out kayaking a couple of years ago in Belize, of all places, just beautiful. And it broke my heart when we turned the corner and we saw nothing but this massive sea of plastic bottles and rings and junk just uh, there clogging up the the waterways and the effect it was having on the marine life. But uh, I was left kind of scratching my head, just wondering, like, where was all this coming from? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot of different sources, right? I think one of the the biggest or most obvious ones when we just think about it is that, you know, a, a normal person, right? We use a plastic item, we use something, it becomes waste, we throw it away, right? Into the trash can, into whatever bin. And in some parts of the world, that away goes into a waste management facility that is contained. In every part of the world, that facility has a, a 
5% leakage into the environment. And so in places where they don't have the waste management facilities, you'll have higher leakage. In places where you have them, you might have lower. Aside from that, uh, then sometimes you have litter. Uh, for microplastics, our tires are turning into little crumbs as we drive, and that goes into the waterways. Uh, when we wash our clothes, little bits of microfibers go into the wastewater treatment plants and into the waterways. So, you know, the more I've studied this issue, the more I've just learned that there's so many different sources and pathways. Um, and so I think, and, and I think this is relevant to this bill, is that what we're saying is we need to manage these materials more sustainably when they become waste at their end of life. And so by reducing single-use products that cannot be recycled, that is one way to do it. Is that our biggest bang for the buck, though? Is uh, what Montreal is uh, looking at doing here by banning single-use uh, plastics? Would that make uh, the biggest difference uh, with, uh, I don't know, the, the least amount of pain, if you will? I think in our country, it is one of the most effective things we can do. I mean, it's, it's and I think I would even take a step back from just the banning single-use plastics, but more almost rephrase it as a reducing our use of plastic materials that don't have an ability to go into a recycle bin or into a green bin and actually be recycled for reuse or for repurposing into a different product. And so I think getting rid of some of these products that are so difficult to actually recycle or reuse is a great solution. And I think in our country, it's a great one. And, and the reason I say in our country is because I think in other parts of the world, the first step might just be building landfills and recycling facilities. But, you know, we have that here. And so now we're trying to say, what can we do despite the fact that we have a pretty good waste management system? Yeah. Do we need to, to change people's minds? Because I think there's a lot of people that are listening that might go, oh, okay, it's only one straw. Is that really going to make a, a big difference? Do we have to ban straws for everybody? But is it sort of educating people on the effects that that one straw and other single-use uh, plastics have? Uh, sort of the conversation we've been having for the last four or five minutes here, educating people as to uh, what the implications are? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I see the straw bans as a means to increasing waste literacy about all of these different items that we use, right? And so straws are just one item. But the thing is, I think a lot of people sit back and think, this is a huge, hairy issue. And how can my one behavioral thing or my one thing make a difference? And the reality is that we got to this product, this you know, product that we have now of environmental contamination, kind of one straw or one thing at a time. And so I think every little bit counts. And we need everyone to mobilize from people, citizens, to rethink the way they use products and where it goes at end of life, to industry, to government at every level. And so that starts with reducing our use of these products or getting out there and doing cleanups to learn and see the issue uh, firsthand, hmm. um, which we have a cleanup coming up on May 5th in Toronto if yes. people were interested in joining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great way to educate yourself and maybe think a little because I know recently in the last few years, I've been thinking differently about this. And, you know, I don't want to point fingers at uh, one company or that, but like I think of uh, Ikea and the amount of, uh, you know, just packaging that I get with a single uh, product and I remember breaking all that down and thinking to myself, like, this is just, again, one product. I mean, is there not a better way? And I guess the, the question is whether or not this has got to come from government. Does it need to come from uh, industry that's got to get a little more uh, innovative when it comes to packaging their products? Does it need to come from the populace, from uh, people that are uh, demanding a change? Or, I don't know, is the answer all of the above? I think the answer is all of the above, but I think it absolutely has to come 
there absolutely has to be a part from, I think, both the federal and the provincial governments to put some sort of foundation underneath us to basically have a domino effect on these types of policies or behavioral changes or industry change to both kind of influence it to happen, but also make it easier or possible to happen. And, uh, you know, I mentioned off the top that Montreal, they're, quote unquote, uh, with one city council saying they're going to war against uh, single use of plastics and styrofoam food containers. But they're saying that they want to sit down uh, between now and 2020 and be consultive and uh, talk with industry. And uh, how important is that to make sure that you bring in the, the stakeholders, that you're just not forcing something upon them, but making them realize the benefits and trying to get them actively part of the solution? I mean, I actually think it helps a lot. And I think this is kind of a a sticking point or a sticky point with environmental activists or groups or probably in government. But I think that we want to get everybody on side and we want everyone thinking about the issue in a way that will actually make a difference. And so if you have industry agreeing that we want to reduce these single-use items and change the materials that we use, then you have more people coming to the table with the type of vote that would make that successful. And so in anything we do in our research group or in our outreach program where we're actively trying to inform solutions, we work with or at least talk to the industries to let them know what we're doing or think about how they can make a difference. And one example of that is in Toronto, we have a lot of industrial pellets and scrap that makes plastic in our waterways. And so we can work with the industry to design outreach programs so that they're aware and to try to have them reduce the amount that goes into the environment. So I think it's really everyone working together is critical here for this issue. Kind of leads me to my last question for you. We're talking about Montreal and them uh, being a leader on this uh, issue. Where are we? You're there at the University of Toronto. Do you know where the city is when it comes to this? And is this something you would encourage or are we going to see Toronto follow suit when it comes to single-use plastics? It, it's, it is on the table. I mean, the city has been talking about it. They just formed a circular um, economy working group, basically, to think about ways in which we can produce less waste. Um, Ontario has a big waste strategy. Toronto Waste Management has been a big part of this. So I know as a city, we're actively thinking about it. Um, we run an outreach program out of our lab, as I said, who who does outreach in the community. We have a cleanup coming up on May 5th, and the city has really supported a lot of our efforts and some of the local members of parliament, you know, plan to come. And so I think, I think yes, uh, the city of Toronto is doing something and we'll see what happens. And, and uh, over the years, hopefully we will be following suit and we'll kind of see this starting to sort of spread across the provinces. Well, we will watch with interest. Assistant Mm -hmm. Professor at the Department of Ecology at the University of Toronto, Chelsea Rockman. Really appreciate the conversation. Thanks so much for taking the time. No problem. Thank you.